0: To the Yogi Fuel podcast, the podcast where we share the knowledge of yoga and Ayurveda mixed with modern science to help you learn and embody ancient wisdom in a practical way to optimize your health, deepen your spiritual practice, and step into your peak potential. I'm your host, Mel Singh. Welcome to the podcast. I'm in my new, I don't know if you guys have noticed, okay, if you've been following along, if you watch these lives regularly, then you'll be like, Mel you got a new background. I don't see that random gray thing anymore. We actually just redid my office space and it is beautiful and it is amazing. And I'm in a new space and it's so exciting. Eee! So if you um, if you follow me over on Instagram, I'm gonna share like a little bit more about what it looks like because I'm really excited about it. Um, this is like the first time ever in my whole life I've had like an office space that like I've had this space that is like super my own. And I feel like, especially because for those of you who don't know, maybe some of you are brand new. um, Wow, maybe some of you are brand new. So I'm just gonna like go off on this and then I'll talk about what we're actually gonna talk about which is being the witness. Uh, I'm from Toronto and my husband and I, we came to India in December, November of 2019. We went to Mysore, India to practice Ashtanga and then we were gonna stay in Goa for the season. That was like always our dream. Uh, But as you all know, March 2020, everything hit the fan (laughs) Um, and we got stuck in India. I say stuck. I mean, technically we we were stuck. I mean, we weren't really able to get home, but it also was like an intentional choice that we chose to stay back. Um, And since we stayed back, we were staying in like an Airbnb and then we had to switch Airbnbs. Like we just switched where we were living a bunch of times. And so, as many of you can relate, it was a very like dysregulating time, like the time of COVID. I think was dysregulating for everyone. And you know, if we look at the energies of the of the doshas and we use the language of Ayurveda, it was very Vata aggravating. And so, we may know that. Um, to ground Vata, we need to feel, you know, grounded. And it was really challenging because I never felt grounded, right? We were living in like someone else's house and it wasn't ours. And I mean, even this is a rented house. Lots of people are are renting it, but we've chosen to probably be here for the next year or so. And so we decided really intentionally that we were going to just make the space feel more our own, right? Like really rooted to making it our home. And so Oh man, there's so many other things that give me so much gratitude about having this like this space, this like really concentrated space that's my own. But, anyways, it's really cool, and I've been in just like this really like elated, super happy state. I don't know, just having this this physical space that is my own where I can do you know healing and, and guidance and support people you know in person here in Goa. So if you're in Goa and you're listening to this, I will be taking on um, like in-person consultations and sessions as well. So if that is you what up? Let's chat. You can totally come see me. And the Zen den, by the way, that the color for this wall is called inner peace. Okay. I was like, this is meant to be inner peace. (laughs) Anyway. So very exciting things happening. Um, And if you want to know more about that, let let me know if you guys are interested in learning a little bit more about uh, our journey here and and what that's been like. Maybe that's something I'll share about a little bit more. It's certainly been tough. It's certainly required me to embody Sakshi Bhava, being the witness, being the witness to my thoughts, my anxieties, my feelings, all the things that certainly um, required that I do that. But um, it's been a really cool ride. It's been really, really interesting. And I feel really grateful for the opportunities that have have really unfolded. Um, So what I want to talk about today is this idea of being the witness, sakshi bhava, and, and why I feel I also kind of, I think I'm going to riff on this a little bit too, but why I feel it's so important that from an Ayurvedic lens, we work with the mind. And this is for, for better or for worse, I, I don't necessarily know if it's good or bad. This is something that I don't think enough people speak to or pay attention to. Um, I don't necessarily know if it's something that's addressed so much with, um, all Ayurvedic practitioners, I know it was something that when I was, you know, working with Ayurvedic doctors, it was something that was not talked about. We didn't discuss meditation. We didn't discuss modalities that worked with the mind. It was very much like food-related, herb-related, and you know, we 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 didn't really talk about the mind, and that's fine. Um, however. You know, something that I've come to learn in my studies, working with some very traditional classical yoga teachers, classical and traditional Ayurveda practitioners, is that what's happened over the last, let's call it 100 years, but maybe for the last hundreds of years, is that Ayurveda, I don't want to say has become westernized, but it's become rather medicalized. So what we're starting to see with many, but not all, Ayurveda practitioners, doctors, is Ayurveda that is natural and herbal that's applied through a quite allopathic lens, meaning you go and you see the Ayurvedic doctor, they do their assessment, they recommend food, which is excellent, um, and then they give you herbs and then, and then that's it. Some who are rooted and steeped in more traditional Ayurveda will cover the full scope of you know meditation and pranayama. And I've, again, I've been really grateful to have worked with some of those doctors as well, but not all. And so something that was really imparted to me through my teachers was, yes, we need the herbs, and yes, we need the food, and yes, that's an important part of it, but Ayurveda as a body of wisdom talks about your life. Ayur means like life, longevity, your life, and Veda means wisdom. And your life and the wisdom of your life and aligning with the rhythms of your life is more than what you eat and the herbs you take. We need to understand the interplay of all of these elements. We need to understand how they all work together. And we need to understand that it's not just like you do this one thing and and, and that's it. There are a variety of different modalities that we can work with. And what I see with a lot of people, specifically, you know, with my private clients, with people inside of Embodied Ayurveda, whenever, (laughs) I feel like I always say this, but I always say that the what, what you need to eat, what you need to do is really simple, but it's the it's like the how, it's the doing it, it's the motivation, it's the it's the knowing yourself as someone who's actually gonna do the thing that they say they're gonna do. That is the challenge. And and so the challenge isn't knowing what you need to do. It's actually very easy. I outline it very clearly what you need to do inside Embodied Ayurveda, but oftentimes the challenge is in, like I said, it's it's how do we do it? How do I know myself as someone? It's that identity piece, it's the mind. And so most of the coaching, interestingly, that we do in EA is mind-based. It's identity-based. It's getting into the subconscious. It's understanding why you sabotage yourself over and over again, why you won't do that thing that you say you're going to do, why you won't eat the foods that you know you need to eat. I would bet that many of you listening to this know. You know what you need to do on some level we know we shouldn't go eat you know 50 samosas you know one time actually my husband if you're not indian this won't mean anything to you so gol Guppa's are these like it's actually delicious okay it's like a crispy hollow ball of like when i say ball of dough that it's like a crispy imagine if like a tortilla became like a ball anyway so then you, you you poke a little hole in it and you put this you put like potato and chickpea it's already made and then you put in uh, a little bit of this water this pani puri it's this like spiced water and then I think you sprinkle some, some stuff on, ooh, some like chutney on top and then you eat it. Okay. It's really delicious. It like any, it's, it's called chaat. Okay. And chaat is like the most delicious of flavors. It's like sour, it's sweet, it's salty, it's spicy. It's like, whoa, it's like a flavor. It's like a party in your mouth. Okay. Vikram once ate 72 of those, <laughs> 72 of them. So we know that eating 72 Gol is not a good idea. That's not healthy. We know that. <laughs> We know that eating you know fast food every single day isn't good but sometimes we do it we know that going to bed super late isn't necessarily good for us but we still do it we know certain things aren't good for us and yet we still do it why right and this is where the mind comes in and this was something i personally struggled with for a long time was like i'm very educated i went to school for five years to study the human body human movement i continue to deepen my studies around Ayurveda and yoga and all of the diff- these different health related disciplines over and over again. And the one thing I continued to struggle with was this like self-sabotage spiral. And that has nothing to do with me not knowing enough. It has everything to do with a subconscious, maybe belief or something that's really sort of blocking me within the, the level of the mind from actually taking action. And I want to talk about why that is, right? Right. And I'm going to take it back to, and I think I've spoken about this on a few podcasts, but I'm going to go into it again, because I think it's really powerful. This idea of, I like to call Ayurveda quantum wellness, because Ayurveda and yoga on every level acknowledge that we start and we manifest from subtle to gross, meaning that all of reality, if you look at Sankhya philosophy, we manifest from tiny little infinite, you know, or tiny little you know, specks of potential, and we burst forth into, and we densify into physical reality. And we see this happen with our thoughts. We have a thought about something and then we act on that thought and and it creates a reality. The trouble is when those thoughts are not supportive and in alignment with the identity that we desire, if the thought, if the underlying subconscious belief, which by the way, 95% of of our lives, we act out through the subconscious mind. We act out through these programs that were learned, you know, within childhood or, you know, that, that we took on, that we identified with as a result of something that happened or something someone said to us, right? 95% of our reality of our life operates through those subconscious programs, right? We, we might call these like samskaras, like the, this group of impressions that's become almost like a neural connection, like a neural pathway, And we unconsciously, habitually show up in our lives that way. And and the thing with that is, you, you can't create a new reality for yourself inside of the same paradigm that you're existing in right now. The results that you're getting in your life right now are directly related to that subconscious programming. And if we are not aware of that subconscious programming, if we're not aware that there is something deeper going on and we don't address that, you're gonna to continue to feel like you're climbing up a hill. And I was using the analogy, like sometimes in my life, I felt like I'm trying to climb this mountain and things just keep coming down and pushing me back down. That might be how you feel. Okay, so we want to, we don't want that, <laughs> right? I want you to feel empowered. I want you to feel in control. I want you to feel conscious and aware of what it is that you're doing, okay? And so the first step to altering our subconscious programming is becoming aware that it's even there, is becoming aware that, oh my God, that's an interesting internal dialogue that's happening. Does that show up all the time for me? Awareness is the first step. And so this is where this practice of sakshi bhava comes in of being the witness. Okay. So I want to talk about this maybe a little bit more. Um, I'm going to talk about it practically, like how it kind of comes into play during my, during my day to day, like if I'm say frustrated, but also how it comes into play, like on a deeper sort of subconscious level. And maybe I'll talk about the subconscious level first, because we're just already talking about that right now. So something that I've started doing, and I think I spoke about this a couple podcasts ago, but it's that important that I'm going to go into it. Whenever we have a trigger, whenever there is something that we want to do and we just can't seem to get it, or a situation that comes up over and over and over again and it produces a, a, a particular feeling, that is like, you can call it the universe, you can call it divinity, whatever. That is a way of becoming conscious. We can use that as an opportunity to be the witness and observe what it, what it, what it is that's happening, okay? Okay. This is really powerful. This is really powerful for so many reasons. First of all, it's very powerful because sometimes we have a thought and we take ourselves to be that thought. We think, I am anxious. We think, oh, you know, I couldn't stick to that diet. Man, I'm such a loser. And then we think, I'm a loser. When we take on the role of the witness and we witness that thought, oh, I'm such a loser. And we think, That was an interesting thought. You can feel, like really take this on in in your life. If you notice any internal like, like icky dialogue that you have, try on being the witness, okay? And notice the little space that gets created when you step into that role of the witness. And that space is really important because in that space you get to see that you're not that story. You're not a loser. You're not whatever it is. Right. And the more that we create those little spaces between those internal stories that we have, between those some scars, between those limiting beliefs, the more we see that we are not them. I used to visualize this for, for clients when we talk about mindfulness and like being the witness as like, imagine when you guys were kids, did you guys ever have like, um, <laughs> there would be like, um, those, those tennis balls and you would have that sticky thing. And it would be like the one side of the Velcro and you would throw the, you would throw the ball at the sticky thing and it would go and the ball would stick to it. I like to think of our thoughts as that. They stick to us. The ball gets, so imagine like we're Velcro and then there's a, there's a tennis ball. The thoughts get stuck to us and we can observe them, but we can go, we can, that's the sound of me taking off the, the ball. It, it would make that sound roughly. We can take off that ball and we can observe it. And in being able to take it off and observe it, we can say, oh, this isn't me. This thought isn't me at all wow, I actually get to look at it. I get to get curious about it. And this is what Sakshi Bhava gives us, is this gift of creating space between ourselves and the thoughts and being able to witness them and get curious about them. And this is the first step toward anything, to seeing and getting curious about where, where did that come from? Where did that, when was that? This is a question I like to ask myself. When did I first decide that limiting belief? This, this internal dialogue of like, oh, I'm such a loser, This is an internal dialogue I have had many times. And the other day I asked myself, when did I decide I was a loser? Like, when did that narrative pop into my head? And you can go back, back, back. There are different modalities we can use. I do this inside like our our one-on-one coaching. We can actually travel back. If you get into a calm, grounded state, you can travel back, you know, mentally, emotionally, spiritually in your life. And maybe even if you just consciously think about it right now, you might be able to access a time in your childhood when you decided that you were in fact, a loser. And you can see where that got solidified in your brain and how through neural programming, it became solidified. And then anytime that you do something that is wrong or bad or whatever, you're like, oh, I'm such a loser, right? And it becomes automatic and habitual. And so being the witness is the first step to saying, I'm not that thought that is not the truth. And then you can take a look at it and you can say, instead of being the loser, who do I want to be? right? Our thoughts create our reality, right? Subtle to gross, quantum wellness, quantum physics. And this isn't, this isn't me making shit up Ayurvedically. This is quantum physics will tell you this. We are the sum of like a bajillion tiny little particles that have densified into physical reality. Ayurveda knew this 5,000 years ago. Okay. If a thought can create a computer, if a thought can create, I don't know, this water bottle, your thoughts can and they do create your reality. At some point, a thought created the identity, I'm a loser. And if you can identify with being a loser, you can, I feel like I keep saying loser a lot. It's like not nice, but you can then, that's evidence for you that you can use your thoughts to identify with being something else, something that feels in alignment for you. So one of the first things that we do inside Embodied Ayurveda is I actually have my, my people, I have my students identify Who they want to be. And this is an evolution. Like, you're not going to be like, I want to be this thing. And then you're like set in stone. You're going to evolve. You're going to grow. But who do you want to be? What does the best version of yourself feel like? How do they react? Right. And so in being the witness, you know, we notice this thought, well, I'm such a loser. Take it off. This is the, if you're listening to this in the podcast, you can't see, but I'm pretending to take the ball off myself. (laughs) You can look at that story, Right. And you can notice, okay, well, what, what triggers this story? What is the thing that's triggering this particular narrative to come up for me? And then you get to choose, okay, instead of calling myself this, who do I want to be? How do I want to speak to myself? These words matter. Okay, so on a deep level, this is how we can use Sakshi Bhava, and this can be really helpful to have it because this is quite deep. This is quite identity. This is quite like core fruited. It can be helpful to have someone to support you and to guide you. And like I said, this is a lot of what we do inside my one-on-one coaching is going deeper into this stuff in a safe and contained space. And so, if this is something that you are interested in, please send me a message, and I'm happy to support you in going into these, um, into the, into this depth, into this depth, into these depths of Sakshi Bhava. But the other way that I like to use this is like (laughs) day-to-day frustrating times. (laughs) I say day-to-day frustrating times. Day-to-day, you're in a situation that is frustrating. I'm just going to use my life as an example, okay? If you're in India, y'all know driving here, (laughs) you got to embody Sakshi Baba here, okay? If you're going to be driving, you got to be the witness or you're going to lose your friggin' mind. Okay. Driving in India is absolutely a practice. I had this, I had this thought, I was joking and uh, I hope it's okay to say this, but I'm going to, I joked to my friend the other day. I'm like, of course yoga was the gift of India to the world. I'm like, maybe the rishis were driving in Delhi and they were like, we need something to support us. We need to embody these like deep spiritual practices. Like I'm telling you sometimes driving is really tough. Okay. And for example, I drive my kid to school. So it's like a triggering drive. People are cutting me off. There's cows, there's dogs, scooters. People aren't looking. And you're like, yaha look, you know? Um, and then I dropped my kid off at school. And lately she's been really like, no, mama, don't go. One day it took 45 minutes, 45 minutes to drop her off at school. It was very, I was experiencing, What's the balls that are sticking to me. Um, I was experiencing a lot of, frustrated emotions. And so what I've really been in the practice of embodying is being the witness to the frustration, to the irritation, to the anger, noticing it and not letting it overcome me. Okay. One of the things that one of my Ayurveda teachers, um, Dr. Roberts talks about is being possessed by things. Okay. That we can be possessed by an idea or like obsessed with an idea, right? We can be, become possessed by a feeling. So sometimes we become possessed by anger. Anger possesses us and we're not in control anymore. Right? Anger takes over and we're like, blah, blah. We're like not in Sakshi Pava. We're like not being the witness. We have it like, I am anger. Me and anger are inseparable. We are the same. And we are just so angry and irritated. We act in a way like, if you're a mom, please share with me, you know, if you're watching the replay or if you're listening to the podcast, like hop into my DMs on Instagram, like tell me, I know that there are moments for myself included where we just lose it, man. You know, where you're like trying so hard and you just like, you just, ah, you just, you're out of being the witness. You're reactionary. You're like, just stop. You know, you just like, you maybe you yell or something. And it's really tough. We act in a way that's not in alignment with like actually how we want to be. And that's not bad or wrong. It's actually an opportunity. It's an opportunity. I'm a big fan. Everything is an opportunity for practice. It's an opportunity to be like, Okay reinforced. I actually did not like acting like that. That didn't feel good for me. I saw how my kid reacted. That wasn't nice. I don't feel good. I don't want to do that anymore. Okay. It's totally fine. Do not make yourself wrong. Step one, don't make yourself wrong. If you like act in a way that's out of alignment, it's cool. But what I've been doing is thinking, okay, like, I don't want to like feel so, and actually let me take it back a step. It's also a a sign that we might be more in the space of rajas. Okay. So there are different things that we can do to set. This is why, whoa, I'm going to take it back. I'm going to take it back another step. Okay. This is why I feel like it's very important Ayurvedically that we're doing things in a multidimensional way because we can have a lot of rajas in the body. Okay. Like if we're not eating properly, if we're eating lots of spicy foods, if we're, you know, eating a particular way, if our digestion's off, we're not going to be in a physiological space to feel, like we can fully embody this being the witness. Like we're going to be more reactionary because we're not focused, right? We can't focus. If you, listen, if you have to like, if you're holding in a fart constantly, okay, if you are like constipated or if you have to like poop five times a day, you're not like focusing on being the witness. Like you're like, holding in your farts. Like you're, you know, you're not, you're not focusing on that stuff, Okay. So the more in integrity we are physiologically, the more energy we have, you know, if you're tired and you're anxious and you're stressed and your brain's foggy, of course, you're not going to be being the witness. You're going to be just in survival mode. Okay. So stage one is like, let's get out of Rajasad Tamas. Let's move into sattva. Let's move into calm, clear clarity, calm, clear, clarity, calm, clear, you know, spaces in the physical body, right? And then work toward that clarity within the mind as well. Okay. So this is why it's super important. So that when you're driving to school to drop off your daughter and she's asking you 55 questions, one of which is, mom, what's Moana's mom's name? They do not mention Moana's mom's name in the movie, by the way. So I do not know. We had to Google and I did know, but now I forget. (laughs) And then she's yelling at you. You don't know Moana's mom's name. I can't believe you don't know Moana's mom's name. No, I do not know Moana. So instead of me being like angry, I'm sitting there in the car as I'm driving and I'm just witnessing that feeling of, of frustration. I'm witnessing that feeling of like, oh my God, I, I don't, I'm sorry, like I don't know Moana. You know, like in that moment, I have the clarity to choose to respond because I'm being the witness. I'm noticing, oh, here's frustration. Cool. Frustration is not strongholding me. I am observing it. I've created the space. I get to choose from that place. And there was something else I was going to say, but oh yes, what I want to say is I think that sometimes on this path, on this journey, we think that the goal is never, ever feel frustration, never, ever feel anger, never feel like you are so (laughs) irritated with your child. No, that is not the goal. You will feel the feelings because you are a human being. Maybe there's a few human beings who like transcended that reality who are not feeling those feelings. But if you are a regular human, you will feel frustration. You will have a limiting belief that crops up even if you've worked through it, right? The thing with being the witness is you get to witness it come up and then choose, right? You get to notice the anger, And choose you get to notice the frustration and choose you get to be the witness notice you're not that thing and choose and the more that we do that the more fluid it becomes the less like triggering anger becomes when we experience it we experience it we honor it as this thing that's come into our awareness that just needs to be moved through that's it it doesn't have the strong hold that it does and maybe on this journey too as we be the witness you know we for the most part experience anger in this like kind of useful way and then sometimes it takes over us sometimes. That's okay. That doesn't mean you're like set back. All this practice was worthless. I just succumbed to my anger. No, again, opportunity. Well, what, like, what was that? We can continue to be like a yogic. You know, I was saying, um, one of my, one of my favorite teachers, Guru Jagat, who uh, recently passed away, would, would always say like, be a yogic scientist, be a scientist, get curious about your experience. What's triggering you? What's causing that trigger? What, what was it in that moment that, that caused me to kind of lose it? Oh, okay, cool. And sometimes you might notice, by the way, maybe it's when you're hungry. Oh my God, I'm, I'm like the most triggered when I'm hungry, right? Maybe it's you're hungry, maybe you're tired, maybe you're not feeling good, maybe your digestion's off. Like there could be so many things that are causing that are at the root of that. And again, the more that we become the witness, the more we start to put together, oh, okay, when I'm hungry, I'm not at my best, cool, I need to regulate my eating timings. Or, oh, okay, when I'm really tired, I'm not at my best and I, I kind of lose it more. Okay, I need to prioritize sleep, right? This is what becoming aware makes available to us. And this is why it is, if you've ever been to the, I'm going to, spoiler alert, if you've ever been to the, <laughs> the Master masterclass, I talk about the three plus one all pervasive, or the three plus one pillars that we go through inside of EA to support people in having more energy and taking control over their mind, right? And in, in not being a victim to their anxiety and their stress. And the plus one we call it plus one because it pervades all the others is awareness and so being the witness and practicing and being the witnessing presence to all of the things and cultivating that awareness is the absolute most fundamental step that you can take whether it is you know toward taking control over your mind whether it's to your nutrition this is again another thing we talk about is I'm not interested in just giving you some cookie cutter formula that I read about that like worked. I am interested in telling you generally speaking what works and in giving you the tools to understand how to make nutrition work for you. And a lot of what that is, is paying attention, paying attention to our body and how certain foods interact with us. And awareness is the absolute first step. So I hope that this was a helpful, like, Podcast slash tutorial. <laughs> um, I hope that I explained being the witness in a way that is really helpful. I mean, honestly, there's no one way to go about this practice. Really, just start observing, start observing and getting curious about your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, all the things that are coming up. And I would also offer, I would add in one other thing curious but non judgmental. We don't need to judge ourselves. If you feel angry, if you feel frustrated, if you have like a really mean thought about someone, it's all good. You're a human being, you have it, but get curious about why that is, right? And we can start to, we can start to explore a little more. All right. I hope that this was helpful for you. I hope that this gave you greater insight into the value and, you know, the importance of doing the work, being the witness and becoming aware of our thoughts, becoming aware of our emotions and detaching slightly from them and really the power that gets created when we do that. And if this is a practice that you're starting, I also just wanna encourage you that this is a practice. It might be really hard in the beginning and that's okay. And if that is something that you want more support with, it's certainly something that we go into in EA, but we go way deeper into in one-on-one coaching and one-on-one mentorship. So if you are curious about that, please do um, send me a message over on Instagram or shoot me an email. I've also got a link. If you go um, to the EA program page, you can apply directly for one-on-one mentorship and coaching, and we can definitely discuss what that could look like for you. So go ahead and do that. Please do not hesitate to reach out if you have any questions about anything we chatted about inside this podcast or other podcasts. I hope you enjoyed and I will see you next week.